This is called Pirate Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, you're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn so, thing. So you just put him in the morgue. You goddamn right. to another episode of At The Diner here on the GGR Pirate Radio Network. My name is Mike Lunsford. I am the editor-in-chief of our website. It is greatgeekrefuge.com. Go there. Check it out. Lots of great articles, lots of great content, lots of great podcasts, all of those wonderful things. Joining me for another episode of At The Diner, I've got the co-host. He's actually got his own individual podcast as well. It was in 2020. It was the most popular content on greatgeekrefuge.com. So fucking round of applause for this guy not only did he have a popular ass uh, popular ass podcast he's also an awesome musician you should check him out he's on Bandcamp. his name is mc brooks i have upgraded from 56k to about 128 hell yeah if mom if mom picks up the phone we're fucked though because you're off the internet (laughs) 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 i've also got um a guy who in my opinion uh, wrote one of the actually it wasn't even 2020 was it Joker came out in 2019 didn't it uh yes I I'm think just, so yeah I'm just gonna give it credit for 2020 because last year was just a it was a blur of the whole thing like it just all blurred together into a massive mess either way he is a force to be reckoned with when he does choose to write things but he also draws beautiful pictures but he also is a caring, kind soul. And that really speaks volumes and one of the reasons why I'm so glad to have him as part of our team here. His name is James Rambo. Greetings and salutations, people. There was a whole lot of shit that happened at the end of 2020 when it came to media. Um, I literally just paused and like froze because my brain broke because (laughs) I was thinking about what happened on that last episode of The Mandalorian and like, it was just like this moment of like that was the coolest shit I've ever seen in my life. So like my I just yeah. Yeah, I'm back to like fifty fifty six K right now too. Uh MC. <laughs> um let's start with Mandalorian because that was I think that's the biggest bang for our buck, wouldn't you guys agree? I think so, yeah. Certainly in yeah. terms of like time investment. Yeah. The, there there are a lot of people who could have something negative to say about the Mandalorian um, and they would be wrong because (laughs) (laughs) okay maybe it's hokey at at various points maybe it's a little too hypoglycemic it's like everybody everybody ends up with a happy ending isn't that great wonderful and fantastic hey hooray that's fucking awesome and I love it like I 
every single thing that happens on that show is leading to a satisfying conclusion in some way, shape, or form. Like, would it be more realistic if the bad guys won at the end? No, maybe. I don't know. But, like, for the most part, media is, is can be one of two things. It can either be a reflection of what's going on in the real world, which is often nice because it's a nice mirror for you to look and see what, you know, what art has to say about society. But also, too, especially in 2020, man, that shit is escapism. And having a fucking adorable little yodeling as mr rambo so eloquently coined having an adorable yodeling that does adorable baby things and like eats eggs of a frog species that could possibly be extinct um <laughs> who, who who makes cute little noises when you when you say his name when you say grogu and he goes bah like that shit was adorable and the action was amazing um boba fett showing up and just kicking ass and taking names and i fucking hate boba fett like I'm not a fan, and Boba Fett. Uh, like I now, I I now love him. He's my, he's my new favorite. Like the guy who played Boba Fett, who played Jango Fett in the prequels. Um, is it Tamu Morrison? Is that his name? Morrison. Okay. He was amazing, and he added depth to a character that I could give a shit about. And I now love Boba Fett, and I love him and Fennec. I think that they're like the the, the new Star Wars power couple. Um, it's it's dope and like all of that bullshit that we heard from everybody's uh, favorite um, pretend um, inside scoop YouTuber um, Dr. Dichter Von Doomcock <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll never get tired of that Ugh. Pedro Pascal doesn't like wearing the mask. That's bullshit. And like when somebody when somebody actually asked him in an interview if that was true, he looked at them like they had three heads. He's like, what are you, <laughs> are you fucking high? Like, I read the script. I knew how this went. Why would I be pissed about this? And like, it, oh God, it was just so, like, the show was gratifying. The ending was gratifying. Pedro Pascal looking at somebody who asked him a dumbass question and being like, what the fuck's wrong with you? That was gratifying. And then... Something that I have loved since I was like like five or six years old. I used to run around in the woods behind my my house as a kid, pretending that I was Luke Skywalker, training in Dagobah, learning to be a Jedi and shit. Like Luke Skywalker is my fucking hero. And one of my biggest gripes is that we never really got to see him kick a lot of ass again. Like we saw him in Last Jedi. It was satisfying. It was a really cool character arc, but we never really got to see him fuck shit up. Until the last episode of Mandalorian season two. Oh my God. <laughs> he just, he, an X-Wing shows up on that ship and you're like, no, it's not Luke, is it? And then a dude in a black cloak jumps out and you're like, uh, I'm pretty sure that's Luke. And then it's a green lightsaber and you're like, yeah, that's Luke. And he ruined every single one of those dark troopers. And those dark troopers <laughs> are supposed to be badass. Ooh, yep. you know, the unstoppable dark troopers. He did not give a fuck. Like, just mowed through them and I have just been ranting because I'm so excited like this is why we are the great geek refuge because sometimes you just need to geek out and this is I'm pouring all of this out I've been holding on to it for almost like a month now like <laughs> I was giddy I was fucking giddy watching that shit like you know some people are like oh I was so happy that I that I sobbed tears of joy no man I just giggled I, I literally like a little kid I was like oh, did you see him he used the force and he crushed that fucking stormtrooper's head that was dope like that was that was me watching this and it was just it was so fucking satisfying and then like 
I, okay, I've talked too much. Sorry. <laughs> Let me pass the, <laughs> the baton here. Good lord. Um, Rambo, like thoughts on this, man? What what did you think of this uh, of this season of The Mandalorian? Uh, in particular, the the finale. But we can kind of go over the whole season if you want to. Um, I, you know, I I saw some some critiques about it. Like, you know, it it felt very kind of video game ish in terms of like, you know, you have a very clear goal. And then it becomes, okay, well, now you've moved to this new world. Okay, before I will help you with your goal, you need to help me with this thing. And yeah, I mean, that that definitely happened. Um, that's not unreasonable. It, it got a little formulaic. But uh, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, it was gorgeous. It was funny and charming and engaging. Um, pretty much everything you said, Mike. Like, it, it's The action was really engaging and fun. Like, I... I know that a lot of people have loved Boba Fett for so fucking long, and it's a great design. Boba Fett looks cool as shit, but on screen, miss me with that EU bullshit of how, oh, Boba Fett's so great. Not on screen. No. On screen, Boba Fett looks cool and then gets beaten by a fucking blind Han Solo by accident. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, Boba Fett was a chump until what was it like episode seven or eight um, when, and, and, and apparently uh, uh, I read Robert Arias talking about it. That fight scene was supposed to be three pages long and he turned into a nine page fight scene um, because he wanted so badly for Boba Fett to be like, like we need to showcase why Boba Fett is cool as shit. Um, why he is cool and why he is dangerous he and, and worthwhile. And goddamn did they. Um, and, even tying back, like, uh, Dave Filoni has, has you know, gone record to being like, oh, Boba Fett and Jenga Fett, they're not real Mandalorians. Um, and then either backpedaled or it was a, a red herring. Um, because now, no, 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 they're legit Mandalorians. Their names are in the armor. Um, like, that shit has been handed down through generations. Uh, that's cool as hell. Um, I, yeah, I had a great time with it. I thought it was a really satisfying ending to that story. Uh, I mean, you know, that version of that story uh, that we've been getting for the last two seasons. I'm really curious to see where they go with it going forward. Um, I do think... I, the more I think about the Pedro Pascal helmet thing, I think that what has been happening is people are misinterpreting what's probably going to happen with the story going forward. Which is, it's not that he was has been arguing, I need to have my helmet off more. It's more than likely... Uh, uh, Jin is going to be real. He's going to realize, oh, yeah, I was born and raised in, well, not born in, but I, I was raised in a cult, and I can just take my helmet off. Like, it's not a big deal unless I make it a big deal. Um, and that's probably what's going to happen, as we're probably going to see more of him, with, you know, without the helmet on. Um, and I think that just kind of went through a game of telephone, and it turned from, this is a story beat that's probably going to be explored to the reason this is happening is Pedro Pascal wants it to happen and he's throwing a hissy fit. Um, I, you know, I have a hard time believing that. Uh, it's certainly not impossible and or unheard of that a, a, a big star would be like, no, I want to have my way the way I, I, I want it. Um, but he seems like too smart a guy, even beyond like he seems like a sweetheart, he seems like too smart a guy to not know what he was getting into. And it's not as though no one knows who's under the helmet. Yeah. Like, everyone is talking about Pedro Pascal. Um, yeah, I 
I I enjoyed the shit out of that. I'm going to watch the fuck out of the Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really excited to find out. That I, I just assumed that when that came up, that was going to be the new Mandalorian. Nope. Mm-hmm. Two totally nope. separate series that are going to be running concurrently. Fuck um, yeah. I... Luke. So, <laughs> I thought that was cool as shit. I thought that was, you know, what was going to happen. And that got paid off, and that's awesome. Just recast the role, man. Thank you. Just Thank recast you. the role. Thank you. Because there's... Sebastian Stan is right there. He's right, right? there. <laughs> well, like... I, honestly, so I think it is foolish for anyone to say that the CG was... Like, it ruined the moment for them. I think that is very silly. Yup. But... I do think there is something to when they showed his face instead of it being, oh man, it's Luke. It was, oh, ooh. okay. Yeah, that, that's Luke. But I guess. Why, does he, why does he look like that? Um, okay. Because one, it didn't look great. It didn't look terrible. It's certainly not the worst of the de-aging tech I've seen, but it didn't look very good. Um, and... It's not going to look better with time. CG, for yeah. some reason, uh, instantly ages itself within like a month or two and only looks worse as time goes by. Um, it's, it's the whole Uncanny Valley thing. Like, yeah, that must be it because it's, it's you're, you're, I think it's that and, and the fact that the technology overall advances so quickly mm-hmm. and we just kind of kind of acclimate to that naturally. So when we look back on something, um, your your brain has moved past the point where that like what you saw before and accepted was as as being reasonable is no longer reasonable, and so now you're just like ah fuck that's very strange. Um, like well, I, I, looking well, real I'm quick, sorry, uh, go ahead. Looking yeah. between the the first and second Spider-Man movies, I remember being blown away by the first Spider-Man movie, watching the second one, loving that, going back to the first one, and being like ah, why is why is why is that fucking cartoon character running around? <laughs> What's happening right now? So, yeah, I I do wish they had just recast the role because that's going to be something that's going to be a lot easier to accept overall. Um, and there's no fucking way they're not doing going to do more with Luke. Like, there's there's yeah. 30 years between uh, Jedi and, and uh, Force Awakens, and there's all the time between the movies. Um, so, yeah, like just just come on. Come on, just pull the trigger. Just do it. Well, especially the way everybody reacted to the fan reaction was was exactly. so positive that there's no way that they're not going to do more shit with Luke. Like it they was, have it was, to. It was trending on Twitter for like a full day. Yeah, like that. You, you got. You got to. You have to. You have to do something. And um, I just want to like tip in real quick with that, and then MC, you can do your thing. Um, I'm I'm 100 with you, Rambo. I even wrote it in in an editorial that I did about about this which you guys can check out on greatgeekrefuge.com just click on articles and go to editorials so i said that like i understand why they did it i don't agree with it because how many fucking batmans have we had every time we see a new batman on screen that's batman every time we see a new superman that's superman like you don't hear the clamoring for a well, the only Superman is Christopher Reeve. You, you know he's dead, right? Well, it doesn't matter. They could use CGI and you can bring it back. And like, you don't hear that shit. But you know who says that all the fucking time? Star Wars fans. And I'll give you one goddamn example. And it is Solo, a Star Wars story. 
as soon as that kid, ate, I think, um, I can never pronounce his name right. Alden Eidenreich? Alden Ehrenreich. Ehrenreich, thank you. Alden Ehrenreich. As soon as he got cast, what was the first thing that you saw on the internet? That's not Han Solo. That's not Han Solo. That's not Han Solo. Yeah, exactly. Because Star Wars fans are the fucking worst. (laughs) The only people that hate Star Wars, (laughs) Star Wars movies more than like, you know, people who are not into nerdy stuff is Star Wars fans. Star Wars fans fucking hate Star Wars movies for some reason. And like, I just, they did this. The fans created this problem because they act like that. So then what is George Lucas and LucasArts and Disney, what do they do? Let's use our massive supercomputers that we have and let's create a digital mask that looks like uh, Carrie Fisher or that looks like uh, Peter Cushing or that looks like Mark Hamill. And what do people do? It looks so fake. I mean, just like, I don't understand. Like, what? what, what? <laughs> Why does it look so bad? Because you fucking complained about this in the first place. You piece of shit. Like, <laughs> this is your fault. You created this. Like, I that you have somebody show up with a black cloak, a fucking black glove on their hand, those big ass stripper boots that Luke wears, and a green lightsaber. It's fucking Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Like, he pulls down the hood, and if it doesn't look like Mark Hamill, guess what? It's still fucking Luke Skywalker because it's a character. Like, yep. And honestly, honestly, you know, you fix that. If 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 you are worried about there being a sort of jarring reveal of like you see the face and then you're told, you have him say, "My name is Luke Skywalker." Pull the hood back. Exactly. Done. Ta-da! <laughs> We've had the ha- the handoff. I'm Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight. Yeah. MC, please let let it. I want to know how, as the like newest to the Star Wars universe, what were you? What was your take on season two of uh, Mandalorian? It was really fucking cool, <laughs> to say the least. And it was cool. It was cool on two fronts. I mean, on one hand, it was it was cool as someone who's kind of who's new to the franchise and has very much enjoyed watching both seasons of the Mandalorian. But then it was also cool to see the reaction from from fans like you from uh, you two. As well as uh, some of the other on our page and just some other friends that I know who are really big into Star Wars, also be really fucking excited by The Mandalorian and just kind of how good it is. You know, like I watch reaction videos on YouTube about literally anything, whether it's like a s- groups that I like or uh, dope scenes from from shows that I watch or whatever. And I was very much enjoying, you know, you guys' reaction and everyone else's reactions to the big reveal in the in the finale and i just thought that was that was really cool i mean like it, it's it i really like that ha- after having only seen the original trilogy and you know multiple attempts at episode one um <laughs> i re- i can say that i think i like the direction that they're going in terms of expanding their universe because they they kind of lucked into something like the Mandalorian and I think that character like uh, like Boba Fett who even before I was a Star Wars uh, I knew anything about Star Wars I knew that people hated him <laughs> you either really liked him or you, you hated him because he was useless in other people's words um but, but but the fact that they can even you know reintroduce a character like that and do something um, that's 
kind of cool and interesting and, and has led to its own its own show next year or excuse me at the end of this year um i think that's really dope and you know you guys say all the time that you know no one hates star wars like star wars fans and i i, it, I mean i've certainly seen it be true but i've also seen that they're you know they're able to replace a lot of those fans who hate star wars with new fans who are just getting into it just based on the strength of a show like The Mandalorian, where you don't really need to have seen the movies to, you know, to dive into it. And perhaps you can even walk away from it like me uh, at the end of the, the, the Luke reveal in the finale and being like, wow, I really want to dig more into this universe. Like, I, I really want to watch more and, and read more, you know, like, so, so like I have stuff um, I've, add, I've re-added, um, several of the movies to like stuff I'm going to watch when I get uh, free time coming up so that I can, I can dive more into it because I really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm really interested to see kind of some of the other, some of the other stuff, because I know there's a lot of stuff that I didn't catch because I, you know, haven't seen any of the other movies or any, any of the, the TV shows or read any of the, the, the novels or comics or anything like that. But the Mandalorian did a really good job, I feel like, of, of, of piquing my interest and piquing the interest of, of a lot of folks. There are a lot of people who I would never have guessed uh, would, be, would be into something like The Mandalorian or Star Wars in general, and it has roped them in. And they are binging the show. They're binging the show now. They're watching it weekly. You know, whatever. Um, so I think all of that is cool. I mean, season two, I feel like it really... It, it, it lived up to the hype and built on the hype of a really good season one. Um, even with some of the, the controversies that uh, came up in terms of uh, Rosario Dawson being cast or Grogu's actions in what was that, episode two <laughs> with the, with the eggs. It's the stupidest fucking thing ever. <laughs> like he, he ate eggs. Like we, have you ever had an omelet? Guess what? You've eaten yeah. unfertilized eggs too. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just like even in spite of all of that, like the the, the yeah. story, you know, everything, and, and it's really cool to kind of see the journey that Mando is on to because I do think it's going to it's going to get to a point where uh, I think Rambo, you said it, that he's he's making certain realizations and eventually he's going to take the helmet off. It seems like it's heading it's it's heading that way, and I I mean. I mean, season two, was, it was just phenomenal. And uh, I, I'm mad that I have to wait, you know, 11 months for the new season to come out. But I know they're going to do something great. So and so that's that's pretty awesome. And I'm excited for, for all the new stuff that, you know, that they revealed at the uh, at the investors meeting. You know, all the new stuff that's going to be that's going to spin off from the show. And they're obviously going to have Mando be, be part of that going forward. So I'm 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 happy with it and I'm I'm really excited to see what they have coming. Yeah, dude, I think that's you nailed it. And it's one of my favorite things um, about doing podcasts with you guys is is hearing you get passionate about things. And one of my favorite things to do is share something with somebody else that they may not have known about and they get into it as well. And I talked about how much I loved you live tweeting or live messaging me while you were watching the original star Wars trilogy. Like I love hearing you gush about Mandalorian. Like I'm so excited. I'm like, it's something else we can share. Yay. Like it's, yeah. it's awesome. And like, it's, um, 
Yeah, it really is. And it's it's cool that um, that you're into this, but also, too, that, like, we're just getting so much more Star Wars content. And, like, Disney just, like, doubled down. Everybody was like, they're going to oversaturate Star Wars. And Disney was like, <laughs> okay, cool. Here's a bunch of it. We don't fucking yep. care. <laughs> Enjoy it all. Um, I, I think the only thing that I wanted to mention real quick is like I'm, I'm a little worried for the Disney Plus folk um, that they might lose um, a lot of their fan base because for all intents and purposes, Grogu may not be in season three. And I'm wondering how bad that is going to be for them. Like I yeah. feel like yeah. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's as bad as people think, but like there is definitely a whole contingent that is like that is all in for that little baby, and yeah. like if he's not going to be part of it, they may just just not even watch it, and that that kind of sucks too because it's a really good show. Yeah, and 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 I hope they I hope they continue watching. I I, re- I really do, because uh, I don't. I mean, I'm personally I'm not I'm not a big fan of people who only watch like certain shows for one specific character or one specific thing and they're like fuck everything else or don't yeah. care about anything else because Man- i mean mandalorian is a gr- it's a great show whether you're a fan of the, the star wars franchise or not and it's it's worth a watch whether or not you know a, a character like grogu is, is part of it or or not but i mean i mean we've seen it i mean people all across the internet only really know it as the baby yoda show yeah i can, exactly. I can envision it vision a year from now, you know, not everyone, but a lot of people saying, "Well, I don't want to watch this because because you know Baby Yoda is not in it." And like, I I hope that just doesn't end up be, end up being the case. Yeah, same. Like, yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I I want to move to. I mean, it's a perfect segue because Pedro Pascal is in. Um, Wonder Woman 84. Let, let's let's talk about Wonder Woman 84. Um, I want to say this first, and then I'm uh, since I, I I talked first, I want to pass it to one of you guys so you guys can talk first. Um, Rambo, I was actually really disappointed that this was not um, your prediction. I think your prediction for the story <laughs> would have been better. I yeah. First of all, it was Will's prediction. Let's, oh, let's okay. Give credit where credit okay. is due. That was 100 percent Will Austin. Uh, okay. But. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I mean, Mike, you go ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. I, I, uh, I you, you are the resident, you are the resident, you are the resident comic, comic expert. I feel that you should yeah. have the floor first here. So, um, so for anybody who wasn't, uh, who isn't clear, uh, or wasn't aware, uh, the, the theory that my buddy will, uh, fellow GGR Facebook page member, uh, put forward to me was, um, that uh, so Max Lord in the comics has uh, fairly seemingly fairly fairly low level um, telepathy and mind control powers, um, and the theory was that Steve isn't actually there at all, and that Max is using his powers on Diana to make him think, make her think that Steve was there, uh, thereby having it be even more devastating when it's revealed that he's not. Um, and, you know, it would have been cool if they did that. I think it would have been a very different kind of story overall. Well, I mean, I think, I know it would have been. Um, and honestly, 
I wasn't mad at the at the way they went with it. I, I thought I that know. um I thought it was very comic booky. I thought it was very Wonder Woman comic booky in terms of like, yeah, we're just gonna lean into big crazy magic story. Why not? And we're not gonna bat an eye in terms of like, hey, we know this is weird and goofy and, and very silly, but no, no, we're gonna take it as seriously as we need to. Um and and we're gonna we're gonna just keep on trucking. Um so yeah, I, I it, it would have been cool to get that sort of, you know, Max isn't Max isn't the Max you think he is. Max is actually secretly the you know the the super mastermind behind things. Um, but clearly, this was a movie that was uh, talking about um, greed and fear and prejudice and power and how many of those things will lead to the perversion of a lot of the, the other things. Um, overall, about this movie, I think there are a lot of very reasonable and valid critiques that are being put forward. Um, the way that the story is handled with regard to how Steve is actually brought back um, and I don't mean the Witching Stone thing. I'm 100% I'm on board with the Witching Stone. That solves a lot of problems uh, and makes a lot of things go a lot smoother. Um, doesn't ha does It doesn't involve having to bring in a whole separate god pantheon to explain Cheetah, um, which was what they were going to have to do <laughs> if they wanted to like, be more comic accurate. Um, I mean in terms of the... Uh, the, 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 the very valid consent issues um, and ideas of agency and what is really going on because like it's easy to forget as you watch the movie that first of all spoilers I mean <laughs> like, if, if anyone wasn't sure we're going to be spoiling the shit out of this um, oh so, yeah um, yeah don't don't listen um, just because we're gonna spoil the shit out of two, it yeah. just one you've got you've been warned <laughs> um, you know it's easy to forget that what Diana's seeing and when she looks at Steve versus what everyone else is seeing are completely different things um, it's not the same guy like Steve isn't actually physically there he is like for lack of ter a better term his soul is now in the body of a total stranger. And so when Diana is sleeping with Steve, she is not sleeping with Steve. She's sleeping with this, you know, with Steve's soul in this other guy's body. And that brings up a whole host of problems and questions and issues. Um, those are totally valid critiques. Those are totally reasonable and, and understandable. I am not going to deny that. I was fine with this movie. I had a great time with it. I was so happy to see a superhero movie that was bright and colorful and had a hero that, while there was some violence, who was trying to avoid violence whenever possible, uh, was trying to detain and defend people where she could. Um, I thought the, 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 the very slick way that they were like, we're bringing in the invisible jet. Here you go. How's she going to do it? Magic. Fuck you. Why not? Um, I was down for it. I still am. I loved it. Um, it is not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm 
not someone who is gonna sit here and be like that movie sucked uh <laughs> i i uh i totally understand and i hear the concerns people have with it um but yeah it made me really happy and i i am looking forward to a third i hope that they fix the and address the problems that they ran into with this one i very much do it, it could very easily have been fixed um for example just bring speed steve back to life there we go because the conflict is still there because and, and in actuality it makes it even harder for diana because there's even less of a potential uh um uh, uh conflict because steve being there isn't technically hurting anyone and isn't taking anything away from anyone so it means that diana's sacrifice is even greater um but they didn't yeah and there's yeah. no way to undo that now um so yeah, that was the movie they made. That was the movie I watched. And regardless, or, 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 or you know, disregarding that, I was able to really enjoy the movie overall. So yeah. Yeah. Um, MC, what's, what say you about Wonder Woman 84? Uh, I mean, when I first watched through, I uh, came out of it, you know, just kind of being like oh okay that was that was pretty cool um and then i think in taking in a lot of the criticism um and a lot of the reviews and and re-watching parts of it didn't find myself enjoying it as much like when i'm when i'm watching with the with the with like with the intent to analyze the film itself i mean for like i uh, well, I'll say I'll say up front, like I don't think the movie sucks. I think there's a lot of hyperbole <laughs> in terms of the, the the reactions to this movie. Like it's it's not the worst movie ever made. It's not even the yeah. worst movie of 2020. Like I do want to say that. Like it's it it is it is not that bad. It it's does not have even a the worst movie with Wonder Woman in it. Like <laughs> yeah, it, 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 right, exactly. You know, like there there are. I mean, there's a lot to criticize the film for, but it's it's like. We don't need to go the, the the route of you know calling it the worst thing ever. It's not the worst thing ever, um, but there are I did have a lot of a lot of issues um, with the with the with the with the movie, and like I kind of get some of the stuff. I get some of the choices behind some of the things that they were they were trying to do, and if this movie had actually came out in night in the the eighties, you know I would probably be a bit more forgiving of it. <laughs> Uh, because you, it's a bit. It would be a bit more more understandable, um, but it, like I, I, I wasn't really a big fan of the the story, or even the pacing of the story. I could have forgiven the story if the pacing were a bit better. I mean, the I, I, feel, I really felt like the pacing for for this movie was just really was really weird. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the opening scene, and then from there, just just from there until the very end like just kind of i i, I don't know it, it, it felt it felt it felt really weird like it wasn't it wasn't moving fast but it wasn't moving slow either it was just kind of this is the this is the this is the route we're going and i don't know i mean steve i mean rambo hit the uh hit the nail on the head with the issues concerning steve which is which which was weird especially considering like look at all the Re, the weird magic shit going on like what I, I just don't get i just don't get the the purpose of why that was the decision that had to be made and yeah of why steve was was being reintroduced in that way 
And like, especially because it's a magic rock, you know, like it has to, that was a very strange, because that was a decision that was made. Yeah. With that, that was done with intent. Which, which is weird, which is because it just, it just wasn't necessary. I mean, we, we, I mean, we, we went into this, I mean, we, we watched this movie, uh, and somehow, uh, a plane that hasn't been used in forever somehow has enough fuel to travel across the world. It's just fueled with, up with someone go. with someone who hasn't piloted a plane in what fifty years or something like that. <laughs> I mean, like you can, we can forgive something like that. If the last time this asshole was in a plane, there wasn't even like a co- like a cockpit. <laughs> like it, it literally was open air. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it. Like there were just some really weird choices uh made made with the with the with the storytelling here um i, I like i feel like i would i would be okay with the cheetah villain if i didn't kind of go into it understanding that like this is supposed to be like her greatest enemy and she might come back for uh wonder woman 3 um because i i don't think she renounced her wish toward the end um I, I don't think she. I don't think she. I don't did. think she did either. Yeah. So I mean, they might find some workaround to to kind of have her be be part of it, but like the the choice to have her in here really felt like it was just like, well, we can't have her punching Maxwell Lord because he's not that kind of villain. So Cheetah will be there. So there's an actual physical villain for her to be able to fight for the the limited fight scenes we're gonna have in this movie, and. Like if 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 Cheetah were described to me as anyone other than you know the greatest villain, like it, it'd be like watching a Batman movie and you know like Joker is not a big part; he's just kind of there in the background. Like he just kind of robs a bank here or there, but he's not really central to anything. I got some Joker. <laughs> I would love that so much. <laughs> which would, if which you took be, like major members of the Rogues Gallery and just scattered them through the through the story, like fucking is it? Is that the Riddler just running around the back room for no good reason? <laughs> oh yeah, because there's the question mark Kane. Oh okay, cool. Oh, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. You know, like they're at a Hollywood <laughs> Halloween party and people are just like nicking shit left and right. <laughs> like, wait, <laughs> fucking, is that Croc? Did he just pick up the punch bowl? What's going on? <laughs> uh, classic Croc. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a hilarious scene with that in the first Spider-Man game where you know you think you run into Mysterio. And he's doing all the, the villain stuff that's mysterious, but there's really just some asshole who really worked in the Halloween costume. <laughs> <laughs> that's outstanding. <laughs> pretty, it's pretty funny. <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I mean, so there. I mean, there's that. Uh, but I mean, I, I think a lot of the criticisms were were valid. I, I, I think there were just some really interesting choices made in terms of the the storytelling. Um, I'm amazed that you know they were in 1980s DC and didn't manage to find any black people there, which is amazing. <laughs> uh, it was still okay. Chocolate City in 1984. I'm really glad that you brought that up because I thought that too, and it made me feel bad because I was like, oh wait, um, do I not know enough about DC? Are they in the wrong part of DC? Because I didn't yeah, I'm see. Like, and I'm like, like I'm sitting there. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, I'm you. willing to forgive that LaFont Plaza wasn't made until 1991. So like, it's okay, fine. Uh, I'll for, I'll forgive that. That's that's whatever. Did did the digital signs in the metro bother you too? Because I was like, they didn't have those back then. There's a bunch like, of modern it, shit throughout. The yeah, movie, yeah, all throughout. There's a lot of stuff. I just I'm I'm just like, you know what? 
I'll, I'll, I'll forgive it. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of whatever. Steve opens his fanny pack and gets out a cell phone, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah. it, it's funny. There was a, um, when they walk past the group of punks or metalheads, uh, one of them is wearing a shirt for a band. I, I'm blanking on the name of the band, but the album, what is it? It's like the album for that, that's that, uh, the design on, on the shirt, that album had, didn't come out until the year afterward. Yeah. But Patty Jenkins is actually friends with the guy who is the lead singer from the band. And he she was like, hey, send me send me a period accurate shirt for the band. And he did. And the shirt was actually released at the proper time. It was just the design went on the album that came out later. And so it's like it's clear that that level of detail was put into small things. They were like, this will be cheap to do. But the big expensive shit, they were like, I'm not even, I don't worry, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. Oh, Silver Line Stations, you can say, who gives a shit? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be there, whatever. <laughs> which Jesus. is which is amazing because, you know, they could they should, all the money that they could have spent should have gone to that last fight with Cheetah. That CGI was, <laughs> oof. That's rough, yeah. Like, if you're, when your CGI is worse than the CW show, Hey, hey now. Hey. <laughs> That's a bit much. <laughs> Those are just harsh saying, words. Just saying. <laughs> a bit more believable on Legends. <laughs> I can't speak to that. I know every little bit of that looked better than the fucking body double they used for Barry. Like, uh, that flash yeah, body yeah. double. Yeah. Oh boy. That is some uncanny valley <laughs> shit right there. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I think ultimately, I think ultimately, like, I mean, there's there's a lot of issues with the film, but I don't think it's un, I don't think it's an unenjoyable movie. Yeah, so I, I think, think that, you can still. I, think that's fair. I, I still think like, if like, I'm not saying I would actively seek out this movie to watch, but you know, if I catch it on like TBS or Stars one day, like, I might I might leave it on there for a few minutes. I might, you know, I, like, I, I, it wouldn't be the worst thing that I could I could spend time watching. There are worse superhero movies. Uh, that 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 exists. Uh, yep. Some involving Wonder Woman, as you as you as you said, Mike. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not the it's not the it's not the worst movie ever. And, and even with the issues with this one, like I, I still think that the next movie, uh, Wonder Woman three, can be pretty awesome. And, and I think you know Patty Jenkins has done enough good work uh, so far that you know, she can give the benefit she can get the benefit of a doubt for a movie that's just not all that great you know yeah I, I yeah i mean i think so too because like um you know and i meant to grab it link actually while while we're talking about it here um she had comments on the choices with um steve and why they did what they did and i never read them i meant to but um i honestly like you guys pretty much hit everything that i wanted to hit too like it's it was i enjoyed it it was it was two and a half hours of a movie, and I remember turning it on and being like, "Fuck, this is two and a half hours. God damn it! Like, this is not the kind of investment I wanted to put into this." But I started watching it, and I enjoyed it. And I was like, "Oh, well, that didn't feel like two and a half hours." That was the big thing for me, is it didn't feel as long as it was. Yeah, it was enjoy it was enjoyable. I I enjoyed the movie. I did not like. Um, the cheetah ending and normally like most I, I've complained about this before where I've said um, I don't like when people complain about well the CGI was just like it was so cheesy like that just grates on me for some reason I don't know why <laughs> but like with um, with this with the cheetah fight um, 
I'm with you guys. Like, it, it did not look that great. Like, I think they could have just done some practical effects with um, with Kristen Wiig yeah. to make her look more realistic. But, like, it's... You don't even have to make her look like a cat. Like, you just have her be what she was. Because she was pretty badass when she was just strong and fucking people up. And that was pretty yeah. cool. Um, you can reading... tell that they were, they were, like, part of the reason that scene was at nighttime was, like, trying to hide the CGI. Because you, re- yeah. you really didn't get a ton of, like, face shots in terms of what she looked like. Like, people were, I mean, people. if you remember, people were wondering, like, well, what's she, which, which, which Cheetah going to finally look like? It was leading up to the film because there really wasn't much of anything other than, you know, uh, uh, just Kristen Wiig in her normal attire with some makeup. And, you know, no one kind of knew, like, okay, well, which what's her final form going to going to look like? And you really even in watching that final scene, like you didn't get a ton where it was clear to see like, oh, this is what she looks like now. Yeah. I'm just I'm reading over this right now. It says um, the movie implies that if you revoke your wish, that much of the impact of your wish is revoked. Hence, even the sex Diana had with the guy possessed with Steve may have actually been eradicated from the movie's fabric of reality. But that still doesn't change the fact that it happened. Well, not not only that, it's not like it's not like people's memories got erased from all from all of that either. People clearly at the at after renouncing their wishes still remember. That these that these things happen. Yeah, which, exactly. They were like, yeah, because and the world still had to be cleaned up. It's not like it went back. It wasn't like the snap. It, it wasn't like um, the snap, or yeah. not the snap. Well, um, even the snap, yeah, didn't even act like that. Even yeah. like something like like Flashpoint, where yeah. like Barry going back the second time and allowing stuff to happen and stuff is just like normal again. Like no, yeah. like everything that happened still still happened. Which uh, and I forget who who brought this up, but someone brought uh, brought up a good point in terms of how. Like that's a in terms of everything happening with the nukes in the various countries, like that's a major world event. That like that's a major world event to have happened. And it, it would be really weird for it within that universe for that for for a day like that to happen, and then like it's just never mentioned again. Right, and then like here's the other thing too. Okay, so Diana Prince, uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, there is zero hidden identity there. Like. How yeah. are like the people at the Smithsonian not like, oh fuck, Wonder Woman works here. That's cool. Like yeah, it, 30 years has looks looks the same. Yeah. Well, damn. I mean, to that, I would say Wonder Woman overall is a secret. Uh, like, yeah, that's true. She, <laughs> they, 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 wasn't like, that she part was, of it early? Like she was only she was kind of just doing stuff in secret. Yeah. They they make a point of, of showing like no one quite knows who is saving these people. And even when she has the moment with the little girl at Landmark, you know, she kind of puts her finger to her lips. Like, you know, this is a secret between the two of us. You clearly, you've seen me, but which that was, that's okay. That scene was so fucking adorable. Oh my God. The the mall scene in this movie was was pretty incredible. Just overall, I've very enjoyed it. It just, what what was killing me was like the critiques of that. They were like, there's no way that there's going to be a jewelry store in Landmark Mall that's like a front for like old stuff. Just shut the fuck up, dude. This is where they lost you. This is like, (laughs) there's a certain point. And like, honestly, that is, that is where I'm able to, to sort of disconnect is if, if I had to nail it down to one thing, Patty Jenkins has nailed, um, the feel that I want, the tone that I want for the DCEU going forward. She's someone who understands 
um, that these characters are supposed to be about evoking, you know, this this feeling of safety and, you know, these ideas of truth and and honesty and, um, you know, the, the sort of sort of the big ideals that people um, to, to to quote death from Discworld, uh, the big lies we believe um, because we believe the little ones. Um, that stuff is in there. Now, what needs to be tightened up is the actual narratives, yeah. um, and and how a lot of that you know those things are delivered. Um, and I I certainly hope that that's the case. I, I I really hope that they're able to you know hey hey Patty maybe maybe writing's not your forte. Um, maybe we should we should get another screenwriter to come in and knock that out. And hey, I love yeah. Jeff Johns' comics. Me, you know, not everybody can write a screenplay. Uh, like I, I remember very fondly. Well, excuse me, not very fondly, very clearly. <laughs> uh, the the like two parter he wrote on Smallville for the JSA. It was hokey as shit and not in a good way. Uh, <laughs> like some of those skills don't always translate directly. You know what what yeah. works on in one medium doesn't necessarily work in another one. Um, so yeah, I, I really hope that she maintains that same kind of feeling, but that writing needs to be tightened up. Yeah, because because I do remember, excuse me, uh, that she mentioned in an interview fairly recently that like she actually ran into some uh, studio interference with the first Wonder Woman movie, mm-hmm. and you can actually credit uh, was I think it's the the final fight scene with Ares. As something that like the, the the studio kind of interfered and kind of had her like used for for the ending, and then it 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 ended up working out because people very much enjoyed the very the first Wonder Woman movie and enjoyed that uh, that fight with Ares in in particular. So I'm curious if going forward maybe it'll be a bit more of a collaborative effort for Wonder Woman three given kind of how the reaction to a lot of the story uh, the the writing of this film in particular. And I also wonder if there will be any way for, for her and the, and the, the rest of the crew to benefit from the fact that wonder woman three is not going to be a period piece. It's going to be set yeah. in modern day. So you don't have to run into anything like, you know, trying to make it feel like 1980s DC or, you know, 80s fashion or, you know, uh, a villain like 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 Maxwell Lord, which Pedro Pascal was awesome. We we do have yeah, to mention that too. That was he, was he was one of the best parts of this movie. There it is. That was my favorite part of the movie. Is he killed that role? He was so good. And like I didn't even like because well, he's always wearing a mask. I didn't even know it was Pedro Pascal <laughs> at first. I was like I was like who is this guy that's just yeah. chewing the fuck out of the scenery? And I'm like it's motherfucking Pedro Pascal. And like that dude had a good 2020, man. <laughs> yeah. And the one of the things that story does really well is talks about the the difficulty um, acclimating and and the 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 the, the sort of forced um, what's the what's the best word to describe this? Um, I guess dumbing down. Um, it's He's he's you know you it's real quick toward the end and it, it's the kind of thing like if you're not paying attention you'll totally miss and, and misunderstand what's going on, um, but you know, Max Lord is a like first generation immigrant 
who decided he, in order to, to, to acclimate and feel comfortable, he needed to basically give up all the things culturally that he had with him. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a guy that goes, you know, the, 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 the shot of him eating a tamale and all the fucking white kids walk by like, hey, fucking weird food. Um, that is a huge deal. And that is a really significant thing that's kind of glossed over and mentioned really briefly at the end. And it's I only saw, when, yeah. when, uh, uh, when the lasso's on him that he's able to, that Diane is able to see it and he's able to acknowledge it. Um, and it's, it's really interesting. I mean, like the one thing we haven't talked about is this is a movie to some degree about Donald Trump mm-hmm. and about, you know, the kind of power that a person like that seeks and how it can destroy you. Um, I mean, and like from the first teaser when this movie was, was being uh, advertised, just the few lines that Diana had uh, as voiceover, you know, nothing good ever, nothing good ever comes from lies um, is like, Hey, if you're not sure what we're getting at, (laughs) just turn on the news. Um, And, you know, to that extent, I think that's really successful in the movie overall. Um, But yeah, God, his fucking performance is so impressive. Like that guy, I I never get tired of seeing that guy on screen. Um, Like I think I I told you about Bloodsucking Bastards. Yes. The horror movies. Did you watch it? No, not yet. I I haven't, no. But that's on my list now. Oh, man. So real quick, for anybody who hasn't seen it, Bloodsucking Bastards is this low-budget horror comedy. Um he's the antagonist in the movie and it's, it's about a bunch, it's, it's about a corporation where vampires start like infiltrating the company um, slowly at first, but it's also like, it kind of starts to improve productivity and, and like the, it seems like the company is, tur- is specifically turning their people into vampires on purpose. Um, and he is incredible in it. He is so smarmy and so slimy. And when I, I, I watched it pretty recently and knowing, seeing that performance and knowing he was playing Max Lord, I was like, oh, God, it couldn't be more perfect casting. Um, yeah, highly recommend that movie. It's on Amazon Prime. Definitely worth your time. I wanted to tip in real quick when you were talking about him, essentially, like, I, it's, I feel a little awkward talking about it because I'm as white as can be. Um, but a lot of my friends who are not, who have come from other countries, who... Um, they, they jokingly say they have white people names and like, um, you know, because like they don't want, like, um, for instance, a friend of mine who grew up in China, like, um, goes by Karen, but that's not her real name, but that's her quote unquote white people name. And the adapting to American culture, adapting to deal with how Americans can be is a difficult thing. And a lot of people, a lot of our Hispanic friends in the GGR group had mentioned that that was something that they really could identify with Maxwell Lord about was that like, like you said, the tamale scene, they like, they got teased for that as kids, like for eating, you know, look at this fucking weird food and like your weird name and your weird accent and shit like that. So it was just really, really cool as much flack as this movie caught for there to be some things like this that speak to people that normally don't have messages like this in superhero movies. Yeah. And I just thought that was awesome. Like 
was a, it was a wrinkle that I didn't really notice. I mean, I noticed it in the movie. I was like, oh, well, that that sucks. You know, people treated him like shit. You know, no wonder he's a villain. And like, um, but yeah, like to then find out how it resonated with people is is awesome. Like, I I love seeing that aspect of it. I love seeing that not everybody interpreted this the exact same way, and that had way more meaning to somebody else than it did to me who was just watching it and thought it was just like exposition. No, that, that was, that was some powerful shit. And I thought that was really awesome that they did that. Me and, uh, me and Katie are watching, uh, fresh off the boat as our current sitcom we're burning through. I fucking love that show. It's yeah. so goddamn good. Um, yeah. and there, the, the fucking pilot for that show has a gut punch right at the end. Um, where, uh, Eddie, the, the, you know, the oldest of the three boys, um, it, you know, it's, it's Chinese uh, family that just moved from D.C. to Orlando and Eddie's going to school and he's trying to, you know, he's trying to ingratiate himself with people and he's trying to make friends. And and he seems to have done it at first. And then he opens up his lunch and it's all chi- like authentic Chinese food. And like, oh, it stinks. Blah, blah, blah. And there's one black kid uh, um, at the school that he, he, you know, he actually has any kind of interaction with. And when everyone else blows him off, you're like, okay, well then they're going to become friends. And that's the one that he's the kid that, that drops the slur on him to further distance himself from even the other kid. And it comes so fucking surprise. It's such a fucking surprise. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's a really, really, uh, uh, interesting and, and, you know, for from my perspective, enlightening to some degree, um, exploration of like this is what it means to be, you know, of a different culture and brand new around all these fucking white people. Um, but yeah, that that shit, you know, it was was, was fucking intense. Uh, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that, but uh... <laughs> other than I mean, it ties in. You're fine. Yeah, it ties into what we were talking about. Yeah, it's. Yeah, man, it's it sucks that that people have to go through that. But like, yeah, it's like I said, it was it was nice to see the representation happen, you know? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's smart and it's well done. Yeah. Um, overall, I mean, I, it sounds like everybody really enjoyed Wonder Woman. Um, you know, MC said that after he watched it and, and some of the cr- critiques of it, he was it kind of took on a different meaning for him. Um, the one that really bothered me in general was so Gal Gadot is Israeli and she served in the Israeli Defense Force and has said on multiple occasions during interviews some uncouth things about people uh, that are not Jewish um, that live in that area um, the the Palestinians and for Wonder Woman to be saving Arab children after the things that she has said, Gal Gadot has said, it was just, it was kind of like, okay, this is awkward. Like basically is what it kind of came down to. It was, it was, it was weird. It was, I'm just surprised that like DC doesn't watch out for these things or tell her like, Hey gal, um, shut up. And stop talking about this stuff because you're making us look like assholes. It was just like those, those sorts of things that, and I, it didn't like ruin the movie for me, but it, I definitely watched it. And I was like, oh wow, that's interesting, cool, okay, like that. It 
was enough for me to be like to notice it if that it, yeah. yeah not not condemning it but just like yeesh was this the best choice kind of thing so but if it, and i think I, I think though it just if it, that scene is just is weird to watch so it feels like on some levels almost like intentionally done mm-hmm. they kind of re to kind of i guess repair uh, gal's image in, in some in some form or fashion. Not to say it was they were successful in in doing it because I I do think a lot of people will watch this movie or have watched this movie without knowing you know that that that's that's something that has followed her since the first Wonder Woman film. And a lot of people I don't I think a lot of people don't know that that's a criticism of her. That's part of the reason that people speak about her and spoke about her role as Wonder Woman. Um, in the way that they have is because of, you know, how Gal has been in real life. Some of the stuff that she's said and done in in real life, and so like seeing a scene like that just it rubs a lot of people the wrong way, you know. Yeah. It 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 it, it yeah it it rubs it rubs a lot of people the wrong way, and I understand um, why people have an issue with it, and, and you know like I really think that they could have found some other way to show off her being a hero you know uh in that part of the world or in somewhere else in the movie that didn't involve uh something like that yeah i mean especially if you're doing an 80s period piece and you're trying to show off like this this dude can make the wishes happen for rich people who are involved with nefarious shit um have him go to south america and deal with like the colombians and the drug trade there you go like it's again it, it not paying attention, but that's kind of DC's MO when it comes to this stuff, is they just don't catch the little things, and that's kind of what fucks them in the long run. I, You know, I don't know if I agree with that that perspective on it. I think what's happening is a lot of people are drawing conclusions after the fact. Um, okay. I don't think that it was... Put it this way. I don't think that it was intentionally done as, like, a way to, to, to repair, like, a PR problem so much as this is the difference between Cal Gadot, the person, and Wonder Woman, the character. Um, like, Wonder Woman's going to try and save everybody. Uh, I, I I can't say that Gal Gadot wouldn't, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that it's, it's being given a greater context than it might deserve. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, it was, it was not like... It, like, oh, man, this ruined the movie. It's not like, hey, let's put Kevin Spacey in a role and have him deal with, you know, like a, a bunch of young gay men. Then you're just like, wow, you guys just did not do your homework at all, did you? Or you just don't care. Like, it's it's, yeah. it's funny that you say that because I, I was I was about to say, like, yeah, have him have him rescue a child from a uh, from a pedophile. And then I immediately thought of pay it forward where there's a scene where he does that exact thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, retrospect oh, no. is is haunting. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh man. Overall, like I'm, I'm, I wouldn't go uh, MCIC. What you're saying, where you're like, eh, it's not really worth seeing. I mean, I, I would check it out if, if I would still watch it. Again. I mean, I'd watch it again. I mean, I'm not going out of my way for it, like like you said, but like, yeah, I mean, I'll watch it again. It was good. It was it was okay. Um, it, I'm still not super satisfied with any of the DC movies that have come out in the last bit, but you know, it is what it is, I suppose. 
Gotta watch Aquaman. Gotta watch Shazam, man. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. Gotta make dude. time for those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll be happy yeah. with those. They are All worth right. time. Very much so. All right, fine. You, you twisted my arm. Um, I want to talk about um, Disney Plus because we get to go back to them after talking about The Mandalorian. On Christmas Day, they dropped uh, Soul, Pixar's new release. And. Um, MC, we'll let you start with this one since Rambo did Wonder Woman and I did uh, Mandalorian. Um, kind of give me your, your take on on Soul. What did you What did you think overall of uh, of this movie? I really enjoyed it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I really enjoyed it. And what's funny is I I didn't watch it the day it came out. Um, I waited a couple days before I, I watched it. Um, but but kind of like with Wonder Woman eighty four, I was seeing a lot of the criticism and a lot of the reviews about it. And unlike one woman, 84, it was very like the, the response to soul was, was kind of split. I was seeing people talk about how just amazing the film was visually story. Um, just everything about it was incredible. And then now we're seeing people who seemingly had, had issues with the film, uh, because of certain decisions that were made uh, in terms of the story and in terms of the plot. You know, like, <clears throat> I shared an article, I want to say, like, the day after Christmas or two days after. Um, that was, um, it was called, like, Representation Without Transformation because of this ongoing trope where you have black leads in, in movies like Soul, but then they're they're not themselves for most of the movie. You know, they, they, they're, they're forced to transform um and 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 whether it's an animal or something else they're just they're they're not visually black on screen and even without seeing soul like i i always thought that that's it's a valid criticism to have as someone who hadn't seen the movie yet but you know after seeing the trailer it's like you know that it's it's valid whether it applies to soul or not so like i i kind of went into it keeping that in mind and um keeping some of the other stuff that i'd said but after seeing it um, I, I really didn't think that some of the criticism that I had seen going around was was valid. Like it, it, it really like it seemed like people were reaching to find things to complain about with the movie uh, because, I mean, Jamie Foxx was amazing <laughs> in terms of his voice. Voice work was amazing. I, I really enjoyed. Um, I can't remember the character's name, right? Joe. Yeah, Joe. Okay, yeah. yeah. I really, I really, I really enjoyed uh, Joe all throughout the movie. I thought, I thought the pacing and the comedy and the story overall was pretty incredible. I mean, this was a very deep movie, you know, for for something that's largely going to be marketed to kids. Yeah. But it, like, they talked about some really heavy shit in here uh, in terms of souls and, and lost souls and everything. And I, I thought a lot of the messaging that was contained in the film was was pretty on point and pretty valid. And um, whether you watch it as a child or, or as an adult, there's something enjoyable to, 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 to take away from this movie. And you can enjoy it kind of regardless. It's not too kiddy for an adult to enjoy. And the themes are not like so far over the head that kids can't completely comprehend them either. Um, I really enjoyed it. And, and I think a lot of the criticism for soul was largely unfair. Just, you know, like I don't like Tina Fey either. Like I, I get it. <laughs> if they had used anyone else, uh, for the role of, uh, I can't remember her character either. Uh, 20, 22. 22. Yeah. 
Yeah. If they had used anyone else for 22, like I, I don't think some of the criticisms that that uh, that were lobbied out there would have been applied. Primarily because like within the world of soul, like 22 is not a person. I saw the thing going around saying that, you know, they replaced Joe with a white woman for an entire scene. But I mean, for the for most of the film. But the reality is like that that was addressed within the film. On one hand, again, 22 is not a woman or a person (laughs) at all. And secondly, uh, 22 also said that they use the the white woman voice because it's annoying. Like it's addressed in the movie. Yeah. So, it I I just didn't find that like like some of the some criticisms like that to be totally valid. But overall, it's it's a it's a fun movie. the The music is great. The acting is great. The story is great. Like it's a it's a film that is not it's not a black film, but there are some really authentic black moments in it. And there, there are several scenes in it, like the barbershop scene, which feel authentically black. Even if the movie itself, I would say, is not, it's not a, it's not a black film, because anyone can enjoy it and anyone can, can, can really watch this. And I, I don't think, I don't think, uh, like it's so culturally black that, like, it needs explainers or that people who are uh, not black will be confused by, you know, things that happen within it or certain references. Uh, within the film, but that said, like I, I, I just enjoyed it. Like I, I will rewatch Soul anytime. I will be putting people who haven't seen it. I will, I will be putting them on game to Soul so they can watch it because it's, 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 just, it's really that good. And you know, I would just implore people to like actually watch it. Just like, don't even pay attention to some of the criticism that's out there. Like, just actually, actually watch it because I think they'll come, they'll come away feeling like. A lot of it doesn't really apply the soul. Yeah, I mean, I'm in full agreement with you on that for sure. I really enjoyed the movie. My kid enjoyed the movie. My wife enjoyed the movie. Um, the controversy that I was expecting watching it because I went into it blind. I didn't read any any reviews or anything like that before I watched it. I was not expecting that controversy to happen. And honestly, that part of that's on is ignorance on me. I didn't realize the whole like the black trans transformative thing was this was a thing. Um, not to say that I don't agree that it is a troublesome issue. It's I, I didn't realize that that was something that happened a lot in movies. And yeah, wow, like that really made me think a lot, too. But like the thing that got me is I thought people who were really religious were going to be uh, upset about this movie. Mm because it implies some stuff and it's i i did but again too i didn't know how that was going to go i thought that it might catch flack because like oh you're trying to say that people have that souls exist before people and like that's where i thought the controversy was going to lie because i remember watching and i was like oh they're going here interesting okay um but like I enjoyed the shit out of that movie. I thought it was fun. Like I love music in general and, and seeing his passion for the music and like as somebody who, who wants to try to be creative or like at a bare minimum, at least people think that I'm creative. Um, it's always cool. Well, not cool, but like I, I could feel the loss that he had when he had his, his amazing opportunity. And then, yeah, spoilers. Uh, then he dies. Like that. I was like, "Fuck!" Can you imagine that? Like, you're about to make it big. You're about to get your big opportunity, and then you, then you, you know, you fucking fall down a manhole. Like, and then you die. Like, that's that's awful. 
and like the desperation of him trying to get back like i totally can understand that and just overall i thought it was a good movie i thought it was a lot of fun i liked i liked that it ended um kind of nebulous you didn't you didn't know what joe was going to do next because he didn't know and i thought that was really that was a really good message instead of having to be like you have to have a purpose and you have to do this and you have to know exactly what you're going to do in every single point of your life no it was like it's up to you man figure it out and i thought that was really that was really powerful and important too because that's not a message a lot of kids get and yeah i think it's a, a very important message for for kids to know that you don't always have to know exactly what you're going to do next and you can figure it out and you can kind of see the world and adventure and learn. I think that was the most important thing. I mean, like hell, the most, the most poignant conversation that he ever had with his mom was not even a conversation he had. He got to watch 22 have a conversation with his mom that he needed to have while he was in the body of the cat. And like, that was, that was some powerful shit, but also too the fucking part when he walks into the seamstress shop and he, Joe tells 22, he's like, Oh, you're gonna have to give the, the woman a kiss. And instead of like kissing her on the cheek, he like kisses her like on the mouth. And he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stop. She's like, no, 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 no. Let him finish. Like oh my God. It killed me. But yeah. And like, it was, it was really enjoyable. And like, Disney's been on a roll with those with those movies that have some really deep meaning. Like uh, I talked about Toy Story Four back when that came out. Uh, that would have been last year, I believe. Um, Toy Story Four, same thing. Like a really, really deep message. Um, and like they're not dumbing things down for kids. And I think that's cool because like you're gonna have some kids who are maybe eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. They're gonna watch this and it's gonna hit them. And instead of being dumbed down, it's going to be like on an adult level, it's going to have some really like metaphorical shit and they're going to be like, whoa, I totally get this. And that's, that's awesome. They have, they have some things to explore instead of just like being handed a very like set way of doing things like a very like formulaic. That's the word I was looking for. We only use it all the time and I totally forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny too. Soul tended to be a little bit deeper than Mandalorian and Mandalorian is quote unquote supposed to be for adults. I think that was interesting that they're starting to do that. Rambo, did you, I, you saw soul, correct? I did see soul. Yes. Your thoughts. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all I have to say about that. What Sign the off. hell is wrong with these guys? <laughs> Jesus. I, you know, before, all right. So before I talk about one really Clearly, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was gorgeous. Like, pretty much, you know, I mean, pretty much, literally every Pixar movie. Um, I thought that there was some stuff they did with the animation that was super fucking impressive. Um, the the way they rendered all the souls in that they're, you know, they're, there are details on them to, to kind of pick them out, but they're still, like, there's a great visual metaphor in that they're all kind of fuzzy because they aren't fully defined yet. Uh, it's really cool. Um the the way that they handle um i'm blanking on what they're like was it uh is it terry and jerry um the the sort of like administrators um yeah. of the of the afterlife the fact that they're all two-dimensional because they aren't fully fleshed out they like they don't have souls so they're they're flat um is is like there's there's so many great visual puns and nods and 
and and so much great visual symbolism throughout that movie. That's awesome. Um, to to comment on what MC was talking about with regard to the 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 black transformation issue, I think that a lot of that came back to uh, it's not dissimilar. I mean, in this in this particular instance, it's not dissimilar from a lot of the backlash that happened when Ant Man was first announced and um, Janet Van Dyne Wasp was not in the movie. And there is a there was a really simple description about like what you know about Janet having disappeared, right? There was this immediate backlash, like, oh, they're fridging Janet. You know, they're 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 gonna fridge her before she's even on screen. Uh, she's you know, they're gonna kill her off, blah, 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 blah. And I know a lot of folks that that took that to heart and carried that criticism uh, of a movie they hadn't seen uh, through to viewing the movie and then maintained it after they saw it. And it it colored a lot of people's perceptions. Um and of course, you know, that's not what happened. Uh, and it was one of those things that was like, well, if you, if you take a second and you really look at it, what happens? They didn't say she died. They said she disappeared in an accident. What does Ant-Man do? He shrinks. So she shrunk small enough to the point where they couldn't find her anymore. Um, I think when they first announced Soul... It was it was made clear like okay so you know this is what this movie's about and people immediately extrapolated oh so you're gonna have you're finally gonna have a Pixar movie focusing on a black character that's not gonna be black throughout most of the movie fuck you <laughs> and yeah. okay I hear that I totally understand that um, but then you know like MC said the movie itself explores you know one it explains everything every decision made is explained throughout. Um, it's all put in the proper context. And it, I think that a lot, you know, and I, white guy making the statement, uh, <laughs> I, I do think that it's, um, I'm not going to say that anybody who said that is wrong. Obviously I can't say that. I do, but I do think that there was a fair amount of people who made that assumption and made that decision before they'd seen the movie you know, however many months ago, we're stewing on it, and then the movie comes out, and I mean, hell, I can say I can say definitively, there are people who are saying that that haven't watched the movie, um, just through knowing human nature. There are people who are who have taken that stand who are going to refuse to watch a movie. That's fine. That's their decision. Um, but I think there are also plenty of folks who have watched it and haven't and aren't willing to to explore that initial assumption and what it means and, and what their, their first instinct was. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate because what ends up happening with those kinds of situations is you have a lot of people who will, and, and this is not specific to race. This is not specific to politics. You'll have people who will, who will make these assumptions and hold on to them and no amount of evidence to the contrary will change their mind. Um, it's, it, you know, I, I saw, a, a, I read an article, actually it might've been MC, it might've been the one you shared, but I read an article about this and one of the examples they used of black characters that that are, that are you know, transformed um, and spend, a, a, you know, and to, their, to, to using their definition, spend a majority of the film 
or the property, not as a black person on screen, was Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, it, is David Spade a secret black man? Like, and then I remembered that at the end, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Yzma gets turned into a cat. Is that I'm what they like, were referencing? Correct me if I'm wrong. It's the only thing I can think of. Unless they're trying to say that Cusco, by nature, because he is South American, is a person of color. Which, that is also a bold statement. Because <laughs> David, David Spade, yeah, David this is, Spade yeah, I'm, is a whitey white man yeah. um, and goes, <laughs> goes very much back to the Tina Fey argument with the whole of, like, misrepresentation. Um, but near as I can tell, it's, it's the Eartha Kitt situation. Is the, I mean, that's the only thing I can come up with. Which, if that's their argument, like, that's man, weird. you have backed the wrong horse. You yeah. are using your 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 criticism of media is one hundred percent accurate and valid. But when you start pulling examples like that because you're going for volume, you you just dilute and water down your argument. It's 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 the reason I don't watch Michael uh, 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 oh Michael Moore documentaries anymore, dude. You don't have to lie to make your point. You can just show reality. You don't have to, to sensationalize this. Yeah. Uh, and that's a bummer. That's really frustrating. Um, but yeah, I thought that there was, there was this great tweet thread that I read the other day about Soul talking specifically about the ending and how um, it's like, it's funny. I don't, I don't very clearly remember the ending, um, but I, I, was reading it and they're talking about how a lot of people are upset that it was ambiguous. And I was like, I don't remember feeling it was ambiguous. Yeah, um, it, was, it was pretty ambiguous. I mean, like, because it ends with, um, we don't know what he's going to do. Which, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't think that's ambiguous. I think in terms of the storytelling, it's very clear that what he's going to do is he's going to keep living. And that's, what's important. Ah, it doesn't matter what his his actual decision is in terms of like is he going to keep going and playing at the club is, is he, he going to teach teaching the decision he's made is concrete the thing that's important about life is living it mm -hmm. um the the reason you know when 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 joe is talking to 22 and they go in and, and see like all of the the cherry picked memories of his life um he looks at them as like failures as like, this is my life. This is all, all these boring, one-off, like lonely moments of me. Like, oh, here's me sitting in a diner eating some pie. Like, who gives a shit? And the, 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 the thread that I read talks about that moment. And they talk about um, how that was a piece of pie he got after a rejection, after a bad uh, uh, audition. And how because the audition was so bad eating that piece of pie at, you know, g going to get a piece of pie at one, he would never have gone, gone to get it if, it if it had gone well. Two, or probably wouldn't have. Two, he's by himself, you know, late at night, eating something, eating comfort food. So it's going to taste even better because he's had this terrible experience. And not only that, like, like this doesn't even have to be supposition on our parts. We know that it's an incredibly important moment in his life because it showed up. Like, if it wasn't, it wouldn't be there for them to see. 
Um, and, you know, that's a huge part of, of Joe's character arc is, is getting to, you know, it's only because he's able to watch someone live as him, uh, uh, you know, literally outside of his own body and, and act as an audience that he's able to, to get proper context for like, yeah, my, my perspective on this is all fucked up. I keep thinking that the one thing I'm supposed to do is this and I do it and I'm still left like, eh, okay. Wasn't this supposed to be groundbreaking? Wasn't this supposed to blow my mind and make this amazing? And instead I'm just like, oh yeah, that was, you know, it worked well. I, it was fun, but I don't feel any different. And it's like, yeah, man, because that's not what it was about. You kept thinking that you were, your, your, your ultimate goal had to be, okay, I need to be a successful musician. And then you were a successful musician and nothing changed. Um, yeah, no, the, the overall message of that movie is, is super impressive. Uh, Pete Docter, who directed it, is also director of Inside Out. Um, among yeah, another, another good flick, yeah. And third, like, yeah. you know, y'all said it, said it before, they're taking, you know... Kids movies have, or, or, or media specifically like, you know, quote unquote aimed at children, has this ability to be subversive in ways that a lot of adult media, not that it can't, but that it doesn't. Like media that's designed for kids is, is they almost need to more so. Um, a professor of mine, you know, would, would talk about how it's ridiculous that that you know that grown-ups get upset about um, other adults watching, like you know, reading comics and watching cartoons and shit. And it's like adults are dealing with the real world all the time. We need the outlet. Yeah, right. We, you know, we need the 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 salve of like a cute thing to relax us, as opposed to kids who need to be prepared for what's coming. And, you know, they need to see, they need, what is it, uh, the Neil Gaiman quote about, um, about fantasy, you know, the, the, the important thing about fantasy stories is not that, um, it's not, it does, it's not that it tells us that dragons exist, it's that it tells us that dragons can be defeated. Um, you know, kids need, need to be exposed to scary things and uncomfortable things, uh, and real shit, uh, yeah. to get them ready for reality. Because guess what? It's coming, whether or not you want it to. Um, and I think that's... I don't know. I could, I could go down a rabbit hole with that idea. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was really impressed with this movie. Um, I definitely think I want to rewatch it. Because uh, there's... I, I wasn't really like blown away in the moment. But the more I thought about it, the more I appreciated it. And I think it's something that on a, on a, second, on a rewatch will definitely carry a lot more weight. Um, particularly having, uh, after having read that, that, uh, critique of it, that was really insightful and really impressive. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can find it, uh, and share it yeah. on the Facebook page. Um, well, the way that you're discussing it is, is exactly the way I felt about Toy Story 4 because it, but I, it, it hit me in the moment. Like I was saying that like, you know, some kid's going to watch this and it's going to hit them. That's what happened with Toy Story 4. Cause it, basically the whole premise is, is like, Okay, cool. Like Toy Story three, they they lived. You know, we all thought they were gonna die, like, and they didn't. And Andy gives his toys to this new girl, Bonnie, and we assume, the audience, that this just means that we're gonna get a shitload more, um, Toy Story movies because now we've got this little girl with this crazy imagination, right? So like, 
you know, we as we all tend to do, we all tend to write, write our own fanfic for what's going to happen next when they do the next movie. That's what I figured Toy Story 4 was going to be. It was going to be this adventure into, like, we're going to put the, the toys and Buzz Lightyear and, and Woody, and they're going to be in this crazy-ass shit because Bonnie just comes up with all this inventive stuff. And I figured that's what it was because they did these things called Toy Story Shorts where it was literally that and it was dope as fuck they were so good they were so enjoyable and then toy story 4 comes out and you you realize that woody is depressed and woody is like i spent my entire existence trying to make andy happy because he's my person and now that doesn't exist andy's gone andy's moved on and what am i now what's my purpose in life now that my purpose is gone and I'm sitting there listening to this, like watching this movie, like, and I'm like, dude, that is fucked up. Like, wow. And I'm watching this and it has such a, such an impact because in the end, like he chooses to help other toys that are lost. He's like, he's like, Buzz, you got this, man. Like Bonnie likes you more. You stay with them. I'm leaving. And I'm going to go help all of these other toys that are missing, all these other toys that are trying to find families, all these other toys. And he ends up going with Bo Peep. And like, it's just, he has a purpose again. And it was like, wow, this, this is a kid's movie. Like this is some, some deep shit. Like anybody who's lost anybody important to them has felt this. Like, what do I do now? Like this big event, this big thing has changed in my life. And now I don't know what to do. What, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? And like, yeah, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, this is this is probably one of the best cartoons, cartoon movies I've ever seen. Think about Iron Giant. We talked about that the other the other day. We rec- I can't remember who we recommended it to, but um. Oh, I think they ne- yeah, yeah, they had never seen it before, and we were like, you gotta see this movie. This movie is dope. And like, I started thinking about like what that movie means and what that was about, and it was about like, what if a gun doesn't want to be gun? And like, but then furthermore, even even deeper than that, like being a pacifist and being nonviolent in the face of everyone telling you that you need to be violent. Like that's some shit, man. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's some, that's some deep stuff that doesn't really get talked about very often. I imagine being a vet cat carries a lot of extra weight with it too. Yeah. You know? And like, I mean, we've, we've discussed it before that like the guilt that comes with that, you know, because like, you have so many people telling you that that's not who you should be, you know, like, you know, like uh, you should want to, this is what men do. And it's just like, yeah. So yeah, no, exactly. And like showing it to my kid and my kid getting it too, like and really enjoying iron giant. Like it's just these awesome things that you can share. And we went off on a crazy tangent there for, for that. So, um, <laughs> I wanted to, cause I mean, like we're, we're, we're pretty much uh, up for time here, but I wanted to um, see, cause I, I know I've watched it. I know MC's watched it. James Rambo, have you watched all of season three of Cobra Kai? No, I'm two episodes in. <sighs> well, you know what? Ben. That's okay. And you want to know why that's okay? Why is that okay? Listeners. Thank you, by the way, for listening. That means we have something to talk about next week. There you go. Boom. You see that? That just happened. Funny um, enough, I did look something up in the the second episode. Oh, did you? That's a fun would little you, Easter egg. Would you look up? Okay, we'll talk about it real quick. <laughs> so, um, for those not in the know, in the second episode, um, maybe the third? I thought it was the second. 
early on in the season, there's a an episode, uh, uh, um, a B-plot that focuses on Crease's um, backstory. Ooh, yeah. And the actor that plays Crease um, is, you know, he's an actor. He's, he's, he's not related to Martin Cove at all, who plays you know, adult Crease. The guy who plays the jock that fights Crease is Jake Cove, Martin Cove's actual son. You're kidding me. <laughs> the guy who plays the asshole, basically the guy that you think Crease is going to become, like, you're like, oh, oh, that's him. He was, you know, football team, blah, 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 blah. Um, that's his actual kid. No and fucking shit. The, the, <laughs> the, the actual, like, uh, standard uh, and fucking uh, uh, soda jerk is, you know, is just another actor. Um, but yeah, I remember, because I, I, I was looking at it, I was like, that guy looks like he's in his 40s and he's supposed to be in college. Fuck you. Uh, and so I looked <laughs> up on IMDb and I'm like, Cove? No, that can't. And it is in his bio, you know, grew up in, in Los Angeles, blah, blah, blah. Son of Martin Cove. I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of cool, actually. That's I didn't, I think like, it was one of those things when I saw like the credits and then I was like, oh, Cove. Okay, so somebody's related to him, maybe, possibly. And then like, I got caught up in the story and I was like, eh, I don't fucking care anymore. I um, have a tendency, good or bad, to have my phone out when I'm watching most things because I, and I have, I have IMDb on my phone. Um, oh, because like a, I, like a fucking professional, yeah. I yeah. want to know, man. I want to know all that secret behind the scenes shit. I love that crap. Yeah. I, you know, I was, I was thinking about this the other day. We might have to do like a trivia night with uh with the with the facebook page oh do you have any idea what would happen with that <laughs> let me explain to you right now i it would have to be a versus it would have to be the three of us versus everyone because oh between God. you and i they're not going to be able to t top us on any movie stuff and then as soon as like let's just say for instance i don't know anime comes into the category mc is just going to like crack his knuckles and be like yep. it's okay fellas i got this like it's yeah, we would be undefeated. Like no one could, no one could top us. We would be like the ultimate team. Like, fuck, they bring sports into it. Oh yeah, then me and oh, MC got that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I was, over because I, I, one of the one of the like super nerdy hobbies I've developed, um, or pastimes I've developed over time is noticing little backstory things, um, or or like details. And being like, oh, that'd be such a great trivia question. Like, what you know? Like, one of my favorites is um, in the first Adams Family movie. Uh, in Fester's room, there's a pennant on the wall. What is the pennant for? And it's not a school. It's fucking Alcatraz. <laughs> he has a pennant hanging on his wall that says Alcatraz. Like he played sports there. <laughs> Alcatraz swim team, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Oh, man. Like that. Yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah. That's, well, and again, we'll talk, we'll talk Cobra Kai um, next week for sure. And, uh, We'll have more fun and enjoyable things to discuss, as we always do. Um, one of the things that we are going to do here, folks, is I, I, I mentioned it briefly. I thank you for listening. I want to do it again. 2020 was a shitty year across the board for just about everything. Um, there were protests. There were riots. Um, 
there was a pandemic. Um, it, it, shit sucked. For us, for GGR, it's almost vulgar to, to say, but it was it was a it was a fucking good year for us, man. We grew leaps and bounds, but also our our metal was tested as far as who we are as as a as a website, as a page, as a uh, as a podcast, and I think that. There are sometimes when you have those those tests of character and you and you fail them and you you kick yourself for it. But in this in this case, I don't think that happened. I think we all passed with flying colors, and I was just very happy with the way that we came through as a group, um, as a podcast, as a website, but also to just like it sounds so cheesy, but like man, we've gotten some awesome friends along the way, you know, and like just some incredible support and like. We did it. We did a gift exchange for for the holidays, and that was that was super cool. Like not because like oh hey cool I got I got new toys to play with. No, because seeing the joy on other people as we shared these gifts, like to to, to like learn the things that they liked and then send them these things and then see how excited they got when we sent them to them was just like it, it made this intolerable pandemic this quarantine that we're all stuck in just it made it a little bit easier to swallow for for maybe a day or two and it just was that's one of the things that this this pandemic has really taught me is that like you have to take your joy in small doses sometimes you can't like um it's a it's a line from fight club actually um you can't expect um more than a moment out of perfection and honestly like Coincidentally enough, it actually comes a lot with people who suffer from depression too, where um, you you really appreciate the little things, and that's what was was really cool. Is we've got way more listeners, we've got way more subscribers, we have this amazing community, and like it's this silver lining to the shit that we've had to live through for going on a year. It'll be a year in March, um, and like one, we're gonna go back to normal eventually. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, and like, hopefully, that sense of community that we created will will last too. So, uh, just wanted to kind of leave it on that. Um, twenty twenty was an awesome year. Twenty twenty one is gonna be even better um, because we're gonna get out of this shit. And like all of these new friends and fans that we have, you, maybe you'll get to see us in person. Like, I still believe we need to have a GGR picnic or a barbecue. Like, it, it needs to happen. Like. I feel like we have to do that. It's like a necessity. Oh, it's um, a matter of time. Yeah. And then fingers crossed, hopefully AwesomeCon, I got to reach out to them and see if they're still doing that um, and seeing if we can get a panel. Uh, we got to check in on that. But yeah, I think that, that covers it. Unless any of you gentlemen have anything that you would like to say to all of our, our wonderful listeners and fans. No, nothing brings to mind. Word. So check us out next week. We'll have more podcasts. Um, make sure you subscribe, too, because we have a lot of channels out there as far as uh, different podcasts. There's this one, which is At The Diner. Uh, if you want to listen to any of our old stuff, that is GGR Pirate Radio. Um, there's a solo project that I did where um, I talk about kind of like the behind the scenes um, stories of some pretty cool um things going on with like uh, artists as far as music is concerned it's called stop me if you heard this uh we've got mc brooks's podcast his solo joint which is called the overflow with mc brooks definitely check that one out um we just started production like just started it had, there's not gonna be anything to listen to for a little bit on our second playcast 
you can check out the Christmas Carol that we did. Um, it's if you look up GGR Playcast, it has its own stream now. You can check that out. Um, and we've got lots of cool stuff coming up. I'm working on some uh, other things for Mike on the Mic. Um, some of my solo stuff, so some more interviews, uh, some more um, fun podcast things that I'm working on. And uh, just stay tuned. Same thing with articles. We're going to have lots of cool stuff coming up here real, real soon for you. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for subscribing. For MC Brooks, for James Rambo, my name is Mike Lunsford. Remember, guys, together there are no heights that we can't reach. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs>